It's always a blessing. And uh, once again, Randall, thank you for Sunday. That was such a tremendous service. And uh, his grandson Judah is doing great. Micah's getting well. We thank God for that. Uh, Dennis, come. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Hallelujah. How many senses the presence of the Lord in this house? Say this with me. God is good. God is great. I'm anointed to hear the Word of God. By God's grace, I'm going to be a doer, not just a hearer. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Andrea is going to put some scriptures up in a minute, and we're going to come to a part there where I didn't give her any lists, so we're just going to kind of wing it from there. You preachers know how it goes. Sometimes you're, you're looking for the, the word of the Lord, and you're looking for the direction, and so you kind of get a starting point. Usually that's what you get is a starting point. And once you get started and the Holy Ghost comes, the anointing comes, the rest of it takes care of itself. Amen? Hallelujah. So we're going to, let me just preface this tonight. Uh, first of all, I didn't think, I didn't know Pastor and Andrew were going to be here. So all those things I was going to, nice things I was going to say about them, I'm going to cut that out. But I'll just tell them personally, okay. Uh, when you, when you uh, have a word, uh, sometimes it's a corrective word. You know, it's a word that says we need to, you know, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. But sometimes it's a preventative word. Tonight is a preventative word, okay? Uh, because after you see the subject, or maybe you already have. Oh, you have, okay. You'll, don't, I don't know anybody about anything I'm not on staff here. I don't know the inner workings, and nobody's told me anything, all right? But here's what I know. I know that unity in the body, am I ringing just a little bit? Unity in the body is necessary for revival. It's necessary for an outpouring. It's, it's necessary for an awakening. There's, there's different names. See, the revival really is for the church. We get revived, and then we go out and do the work of the ministry, right? So revival, awakening, whatever you want to say, it, it has to have an element of unity. In other words, I have to get behind my leadership and the vision of the house and move with that vision, even if I don't always understand it or even always agree with it. Unity is necessary. Now, let me quickly say, sometimes when we talk about unity, we're thinking, or some people would take it to say, well, that means that we just get along with everybody and nothing's wrong. Everything, you know, we just lovey-dovey. Everything's warm and fuzzy. No, that's not unity. We're talking about unity among believers. There are some things in the world that are wrong. I cannot agree with them. I cannot walk with you. How can two walk together except they be agreed? 
There are some things that are sinful. There are some things that are damning people that are going to doom people into eternal destruction. How could I, in good conscience, uh, pat somebody on the back or celebrate somebody who is living a perverted lifestyle and usually that perverted lifestyle will cost them, I don't know, 17 years less than, than the average lifespan of most other people. So I'm going to say, oh, we're going to celebrate you because you're living a lifestyle that's going to cut your life by many, many years. And then if you don't repent, it's good, you're going to end up in eternity. I can't get in unity with that. So we're not talking about, you. how do you say it, you, you communalism? Capitulate? Ecumenicalism. Ecumenicalism. Everybody say ecumenicalism real fast three times. That means we're just all we're just all gonna just go along and get along and it don't matter what you believe or how you behave or what you do we're just gonna get along let's all just be friends and buddies and and let's just all get along in this world we ought to all get along but we didn't we never will tolerate that which is destroying people we should never tolerate that which is a, an absolute uh, violation of God's Word something that's plain listen the essentials are still the essentials hallelujah it's still the blood. It's still the cross. There is still a hell to, to shun and a heaven to gain. The Bible is the Word of God. These things do not ever change. There is no negotiation, and I'm going way too fast for the first part of my sermon. I mean, they beat me to death on the drums, and they want me to get up here. No, I'm going to take it easy now. I'm going to slow down. Gear down, Dennis. Yeah. All right. The essentials are still the essentials. So when we say unity, we're not saying, let's just all get along with people who willfully are sinners, who willfully are violating the Word of God, who willfully are, are spitting in God's face and saying, if you don't like it, that's too bad. Can't get along with people like that. I can love them. I can try to win them to the Lord, but I can't walk with you. I can't walk with you. Now, let me tell you something real interesting. I'm going to put the first scriptures up. And since most Christians don't read much of their Bible, I'm just going to, we're just going to read through this, all right? And then you can say, after you leave this service, you can say, I had my Bible reading in today. And I'm not just going to read scriptures to you all night. You can read your own scriptures. But let's read these together. For through him, Jesus, we both or we all have access by one spirit to the Father. And now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Somebody ought to say hallelujah for that. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And you are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, yes, in whom the whole building, that's referring to you and me, the whole building, those who are born again, children of God, being fitted, somebody say fitted, fitted together. And when it's fitted together, what happens? It grows into a holy temple in the Lord when it's fitted together, when everybody's in their place. Some of you may not know, I've been building a house for the last six months. And when you do cuts on wood, you better be sure your angles are right. 
or you will be doing it over, especially when your wife comes home and says, that don't look good. I'll help you. Let's do it over. When the whole body, when everyone is fitted in their place, then what happens? It grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also being built. Being means we hadn't got there yet, but we're working on it, right? For a dwelling place. Wow, what? For a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So when we're fitted together, when we're where we're supposed to be, doing what we're supposed to do in the right spirit, right motive, right heart, we're fitted together, then we're going to grow and we're going to be a place for the Spirit of God to dwell in. Let's go to the next one. That's your first scripture. Oh, how did you know I was dry? I hate dry preachers, don't you? <laughs> and I had to get my wife to open it because I've only got two hands. Oh, Pastor, thank you, sir. <laughs> so, <laughs> I should say three. <laughs> thank you, sir. It looks like it's still on to me, but let's see. Oh, yes, that's good. Hold on. Mm. Would you like a drink? Anybody? Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Do you, do you have another water now? Oh, you're good. Okay. All right. It's Colossians 3.13. I want to tell you something just a minute. It's going to amaze you. It amazes me. Colossians 3.13 through 15. Bearing with one another <laughs> why would i ever bear with somebody we're all totally the same kind of people we all believe alike think alike talk alike act a lot no that's why we have to bear with one another and sometimes we have to forgive one another you women really have to forgive your husbands a lot don't you i mean it's if anything else, you ladies can, 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 can contribute to your husband that we teach you how to get on your knees and pray, don't you? If, forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, so you might have a legitimate complaint. So when you have a legitimate complaint in the body of believers, you go spread it around, you tell Sister Bucketmouth everything that you are assuming and presuming. No? Okay, just seeing if you was listening. All right, you're listening good. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. So the way Christ forgave us was he said, you get on your knees. You grovel in the dirt for a while. And I just might forgive you if you look just right. Whoever called the name of the Lord will be saved. Wow. Is there another one? But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. I really wish I had time to read 1 Corinthians 13 and some other translations because, but if I did, I think we'd all feel so bad we'd have to leave. But it's not by our own power anyway, is it? Now, here's what I wanted to, I, this, this, this is why I know this is the right message tonight. And it's a preventative message. It's not a corrective message. I'm not trying to correct anybody because I don't know of anybody that's doing anything. So I was preparing, thinking, Lord, praying, Lord, what, you know, what do I need to do? So I start looking through my notes. I've got, I've got about 40 years worth of, worth of notes and notebooks. And so I just start thumbing through there sometime and just say, Lord, would you, you, know, would you want to use some of these? And, 
So I come across this one, and it's, it has Psalms 133 in it. Let's read that just for, uh, to start off with. Psalm 133, it says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It seemed like I just heard that Sunday morning. Is that right? Did I just hear that Sunday morning? Were you not listening? Randall, didn't you quote Psalm 133? Thank you. He remembers. So how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And then it is like the precious oil. Now, now let me say something about that oil. The oil, you, you have to understand, this is like a perfume. And you can read about it, I think it's over in Exodus 30. And it was, it was a perfume. It was, uh, it was sent to the apothecary. Now, that, the apothecary was people that put together perfumes. It wasn't like our pharmacist today. But they put together these perfumes, and God said, you can make this perfume. He told them exactly how to make it. He said, don't duplicate it. This, don't anybody ever duplicate this. This is, this is what you're going to pour. And, and it was different places. And, and it was poured on Aaron and his sons, and it was a perfume. Now, when I come in from working on the house or in the yard, and I come up to my wife and I say, oh, baby, give me a big old hug and kiss. And I'm all sweaty and I smell like a big dog. You know what she says? Get away from me, you slob. But, but, but when I get a shower and come out and put some perfume on, Brother Thurman, she chases me all over the house. <laughs> you don't believe that, do you? But see, this, this oil, it was like a perfume. It had a, it had a wonderful aroma. It smelled good. Did you know unity smells real good? When brethren are in harmony, when brethren are in peace. Over in James, I was reading today, and I'm not sure if I can even quote it right, but it says, the fruits of righteousness are sown in peace. Now, my wife had me out today. Well, she was going to help, but I just got it done so I could get back to my studies. I had this little thing, and I was putting seeds out on all the mud that we have there, so hopefully we can have some winter grass and won't have to walk through the mud. But the problem was it was windy. Hard to sow them little old tiny seeds when the wind's blowing. So what I did, I got downwind. No, I got upwind. I got the opposite of which way the wind was blowing, and my seeds, I let my seeds blow where I wanted them to go because if I had tried to put them where... I really warned them and stood there, it wouldn't have worked. And you know what doesn't work? It doesn't work when, when we say righteousness, when it said in James that, man, I wish I could quote it. Maybe I shouldn't even say something I can't quote. The, the fruit of righteousness comes forth from the seed, when the seed is sown in peace. We can have our prayer meetings and not be in peace. We can have our worship service and not be in peace, not be in harmony with one another. Guess what? It's not going to produce a harvest of righteousness. It just goes through the motions. So if our heart is not in unity, if our heart is not in harmony, if our heart is not in peace, then we're not going to have a harvest. And that's why we titled this tonight, and, and thanks to Andrea up there, she I changed the title two or three times. She said, what is your title? And I said, I don't have a title. And so she gave me a title. And I looked at it when I was on the drums there, and I said, I don't like that title. So I went up and told her, I called Michael and said, change it to this. 
and I didn't like that, so I went up there and I said, change it to this, and she said, you better get out of here, boy. <laughs> so I, this, this was the title, The Necessity of Unity for Revival. Now, making a big assumption here, I'm assuming that we want a revival. I'm assuming that we need a revival, and I'm assuming that that, that that is the only thing that's going to bring our country back and bring our nation back is a move of God, an awakening of God, the power of God, the Spirit of God, a revival. Amen. So that's why it's a necessity. Now, here's the interesting thing about this Psalm 133. So Randall preaches it Sunday morning. I'm studying and come to it now. You might just say, well, just because he quoted that, you came to it. I don't think so, but let me tell you what else happened, and maybe you'll agree with me. Randall preaches it Sunday morning, includes it in his message, which was powerful, and then I'm studying and come across my notes here, and almost, you know, I, like I said, I got 40 years worth of notebooks. It was almost like the first or second page of the first notebook that I pulled out. Well, that's interesting. Now, you know, I know there are coincidences, but, but listen to this. So, night before last, Philip sends me a text. Philip sends me a text. Have you ever sent me a text before? Maybe once in a year? So he sends me a text and, and expresses some wonderful things. And then at the end of the text is Psalm 133, 1 through 3. That's three, math of two or three witnesses. But that's not all. Then... I'm about to get in the shower, and I have a little tape player there that, in this case, it's just little cassettes, and I just, every time I get in there, I just punch it and just listen to someone read the Bible. <laughs> I get ready to get in the shower. I punch the play button. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I told my wife, and she said, I think the Lord's given you the message. I said, Okay. Okay, all right, so we're going to go with it, all right? So here in Acts 2.44, Acts 2.44, it says, All who believed were together and had all things common. They were all together and had all things common. Now, just real quickly, let me tell you, this is not communism. Because later on, when uh, Ananias... Uh, had sold some property that he probably had agreed to give that price on. That's probably why it was a, a, a lying to the Holy Spirit. He probably agreed and said, yes, I'll sell my property and, and give all, of, all the proceeds to the church. And he ended up reneging on his commitment. Better be careful about reneging on your commitments. If you tell God you're going to do something, try to do it. Amen. And I would even tell all you young believers, just be careful about making vows. God, I'll do this if you'll do this. God, I'll do this if you'll do this. God, I'll do this. Uh, just go do it. <laughs> Stay away from that if you can. So, he said, while it remained, it was yours. So, see, it's not communism. Then we come to Acts 2 and 1, which everybody knows in this room, I think. You know what Acts 2 and 1 says? On the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, when it had fully come, they were all with one accord. Now, that's not a Honda. All with one accord. 
in one place. Now, now there are some ingredients for revival right there. In one accord, unity, harmony, peace, agreement, and then in one place. In one place. Is it any, is it any wonder the devil's tried to keep us out of the place together? Hmm? Unity and peace and harmony are necessary for a revival. And what is the a value of unity and building together? Look at John 15, 12. John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Wow. And then let's look at John 17, 21. John 17, 21. That, this is the prayer of Jesus. That, let's say it this way, that we may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, Jesus talking, that they also may be one. They, meaning us, the church, his disciples, us now, may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me. Do you see the power of oneness and love among believers? See, it's not that we can't disagree and we can't confront. Sometimes we need to disagree and sometimes we need to confront. I mean, if, if, if someone is, if I'm up here teaching wrong, I want pastor to come and say, Dennis, that just, man, that was way off base. I want him to. So it's okay to confront it's okay to disagree, but at the end of the day, we all line up behind what we feel like our leadership is, and, and we do what God wants us to do through them. Did, did you ever read in the scripture where the Bible says, the Lord led the children of Israel by the hand of Moses? See, there's the fivefold ministry, apostles. Prophets, Ephesians 4.11. Evangelists, pastors, and teachers. God set these in the church not to do all the work, but to teach us to do all the work. To, to train us, to teach us that we might go out and do the work of the ministry. You know, I have a, I have a, I have a crazy idea. And it's not completely foolproof, but I would say we'd probably do a whole lot more good inviting people to Jesus than we would inviting them to church. What did he say? See, we, we, if we get people, if I, am I, if I win a coworker to Jesus and say, you need to go to church, where's he, what's he going to say? Where do you go? And then I'm going to invite him. I'm going to bring him. But if we bring people to church expecting the preacher to get them saved. Now, that's nothing. I'm saying it's not foolproof. Sometimes that's, that's what it takes. That's good. But even Billy Graham, who had the, the, the biggest crusades in, in, in all of history, I guess next to Reinhardt Bonnke, but he had these great crusades. And, and he, was, he said one day, he said, you know, I think, I, could, I, I think we could do more good if we did one-on-one -on -one witnessing. One person wins one. Did you know there, there's, there's a statistic somewhere, a calculation? You, you guys probably heard it. Uh, if everybody won 
12 people. It's something like they, they, we could win the whole world in, in 10 years, something like that. If I won one person every year for 12 years, and you won one person every year for 12 years, and those people that got one, one person, won a person, <laughs> I need another drink, one person for 12 years, <laughs> we'd have the whole world. We would. But too often we're expecting to preach it. That's, I'm getting off subject. Excuse me. So the necessity of unity. Unity in our labor multiplies our ability. Did you hear that statistic that, that uh, Randall gave Sunday morning about the, the Belgium horses? That's unbelievable. And yet it's, it's the, way it, the way it is in the church too. When we are together and, and you're using your strengths, I'm using my strengths, and, and we're allowing each other to use their strengths, then there's exponential ability through that. Uh, the effects of unity are not always seen immediately. Over in Acts 9, and we won't turn there, I don't guess. Do I have that one up there? Just, if I do, you can put it up there. But if not, don't worry about it. In Acts 9, how many remember the story where Paul was put in a basket? You remember that story? He was led over the wall, put in a basket. The Bible says the disciples put him in the basket, took ropes, and they let him down over the wall because it said that the Jews were going to kill him. They were going to kill him. I mean, they weren't just going to have a little council meeting and talk to him. They were going to kill him. Graveyard dead, they were going to kill him. But the Bible says the disciples doesn't even give their name. The disciples put him in a basket, led him over the wall, and he escaped. Now tell me, what did you just hear? Did you just hear that Paul was in the basket? How many heard that? Who was in the basket? What was in Paul? Take your Bible and turn it to Romans and all the way probably through Hebrews, 13 books of the New Testament, that's what was in Paul. And some disciples, unnamed disciples, will get credit for those 13 books in the Bible that have blessed millions and millions and millions. Maybe you're just a rope holder. Maybe you furnished the basket. Maybe nobody even knows your name. Maybe you're praying and nobody knows, but God knows. God knows who prayed. Now, if I can real quickly, I know I don't have a whole lot of time on Wednesday night, but I want to I want to say this to you. Uh, there's three things that I'd just like to cover real quickly that are avenues that assist our enemy, Satan, in disrupting our peace and unity. Number one is an unguarded mind. That is supposition or assumption. We can look at one another and make all kinds of assumptions. We can make all kinds of supposition. There was a lady I heard one time that came to church several times she was a regular attendee, and she had on big, dark sunglasses, Pastor. Big, dark sunglasses. Well, you know, the people began to talk. 
what is this weird woman doing in church with these big old dark sunglasses on? This is strange. And so the little murmuring started, the little, little jabber, jabber, jabber started, and everybody had their opinion, they had their assumption, they thought she was weird. But you know what she was? She was beat up. Because her husband told her, every time you go to church, I'm going to beat you up. And she said, I'm going to church. And she came to church with black eyes, so beaten, so black, that she wore those sunglasses to hide her scars. See, assumption, assumption is a terrible thing. It will, it will keep revival from coming. Assumption is concluding something without the complete evidence. They didn't look at me just right, so that must mean fill in the blank. They didn't talk to me, so that must mean... Listen, folks, can I say this respectfully? Grow up. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but, but we're not going to have revival if we, if we are so picky as somebody that looks at us wrong and, and, and won't talk to us that, that we just get all ruffled and out of place and we're gone. Man, I'm preaching hard tonight. Please forgive me. Uh, so there's the imagination. You can draw conclusions about people and you might be losing out on the benefit they could impart into your life. You know what? If you thought tonight that I was a pervert, if you thought tonight that I was an adulterer, if you thought that tonight, or any number of other things, if you thought that and it wasn't true, the effect would still be the same. So you can conclude things, you can see things, you can suppose things, and you're just maybe cutting off a blessing in your life. Now, I'm going to tell you, one time, <laughs> I was a pretty young Christian. I was in my truck, a mail truck. I was delivering mail for the church I work for. And I'm driving along there. I look over beside me. There's my pastor smoking a cigar. Now, I'm not saying a cigar is going to send you to hell. It may make you smell like you've been there, but I'm not, I'm not getting into that, okay? I'm just saying, I'm just saying he preached against it, and so I'm driving my truck. I, it's red light. I look over, and I was shocked. I was a young Christian. I was shocked. My pastor's smoking a cigar, and he's preaching against it. How can this be? Now, folks, that was my first look. I looked back because I was so shocked, and I looked again. Guess what? Same kind of car. It was a convertible, which is not the ordinary thing. Same color, same size man, same size little hat on. Everything from the natural, from the first look, everything looked just like my pastor. I'm so glad I looked again because it wasn't him. See, your, your imagination can keep us from seeing the move of the Spirit of God. You see, here's, here's what I say. 
Lord, I don't understand him, don't understand her, don't understand this, don't understand that. But to their own master, they stand or fall. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to keep looking to Jesus. I'm going to keep looking at him, and I'm going to keep following him and obeying him. And you do whatever you want to do, but I'm going to follow Jesus. Hallelujah. Keep clapping, and I'll get another drink. Now, the next one. So we've got the unguarded mind. Then we've got the unguarded tongue. You could say it this way. Loose lips sink ships. That's home ships. That's church ships. That's friendships. Loose lips. Now, folks, if you want to find out what God thinks about our words, just read Proverbs. Read the whole book. Because over and over and over, he tells us that our words are life and our words are death. They can be, bring life or bring death. And he that loves it or he that loves speaking the right thing, he that loves with his words will eat the fruit thereof, it says. Charles Spurgeon said, tell bearing, that's the same as gossip or saying things you shouldn't be saying about other people, emits a threefold poison. Now, remember, this is a preventive word, okay? It's a preventive word. Look at somebody and say, he's just giving you a preventive word. Calm down, fella. Tail-bearing emits a threefold poison. It injures the teller, it injures the hearer, and it injures the person who the tale is told on. Did I give you 1 Peter 3.10? Okay. For he who would love life and see good days. Anybody here like to see some good days? Let him just let her fly, baby. Just say anything you want to say, however you want to say it, to whoever you want to say it, and don't give a rip. Oh, hold it. I don't have my glasses on. Let me try again. Let me try again, would you? For he who would love good life and see good days, 1 Peter 3, 10, 11, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Here it is. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Somebody comes to you and starts cutting somebody else down. There, the Bible says there is he or she that speaks like the piercings of a sword. If somebody comes and starts cutting other people down around you, say, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me get my recorder out. Okay, say it again. If, if everything that we were saying, Pastor, was up on a screen just like this, Ooh, man. <laughs> so the whole world could see. Now, now, some of you are saying, I didn't come to church to get beat up. I'm not beating you up. I'm not beating you up. I'm saving you a lot of trouble. We just read it. He that would love life and see good days, refrain his tongue and seek peace and pursue it. I'm not beating up on you. If I'm beating up on anybody, I'm beating up on myself. I said lots of stuff, and I thought, Ooh. 
How many's ever, how many's ever felt something rising up in you and you just wanted to say it so bad? Oh man, you wanted to say it. And you said, and the Holy Spirit said, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. and you said, mm-mm. the sad thing is, many times we've walked right over that little check in our spirit. And see, once you say it, it's out there, baby. Once you say it, I mean, it's floating around the atmosphere. And it's, the sad thing is it's floating around in people's hearts. And you know, you know, I just know there's some people in here, you have heard stuff. People have said stuff about you, just cut you, wounded you, hurt you, stabbed you in the back to your face. Has anybody got a $100 bill I could borrow in just a minute? I'll give it back. Robert, you're, you're the, you got money? No? Okay, a 20. Anybody got a 20? You got a 20? I want to make a little point here, okay? I will give it back. Have you paid your tithes this week? Okay, I'm just going to... just. Thank you. All right. Now, other than the fact you got one too, Angel, here you go. Praise God. A 10? Okay, that's good. Cheapskate. Here. All right. That's okay, Brother Angel. Okay, now look. Other than the fact that this is a Federal Reserve note and not really backed by gold, but in our economy, what is this worth? $20. What is this worth? Okay, now watch this. Stupid money. What's this worth? What's this worth? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what somebody has said. You are valuable before God. That's just a little side issue there. Thank you. Okay. I'm about out of time. I don't have a watch. Okay. Okay. Matthew 12, 36, by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. So, be careful what you say. Number three, now this, this one sometimes is a little more difficult. So we've got our unguarded imagination, we've got our unguarded tongue, but sometimes you have to guard, you have to guard your hearing. Psalm 15, 3 says, who will dwell in God's presence? It's he that does not take up a reproach, among other things, take up a reproach he that does not take up a reproach against his friend, against his neighbor. Sometimes you can hear things. And what happens when somebody gets offended? When somebody gets offended, they, if they don't handle it correctly, they say it to someone else, and so the offense is doubled. Now, he's offended at the other person that didn't even offend him because, he, because this was the person that told him that he, they got offended. And then if they pass that around, soon everybody's offended about a person that may not have even done anything wrong or may have had a legitimate reason to do what they did. <laughs> Randall, you did a whole lot better when you got hard on them like that. So, what are we hearing? These are the avenues that the enemy uses. 
The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 4, that a liar gives an ear. Someone without any character gives his ear to a naughty tongue. Wow. So that's all the negative stuff. And I had a whole lot more, but let, let me get down to the positive here. Uh, Psalm 17, 3. I am purposed. I am purposed. We have to purpose to speak encouragement. We have to purpose to speak honor. We have to purpose. You, you, may, you, you have to make yourself do it. You have to purpose. You have to make up your mind that I am going to be a person who encourages. I'm going to be a person who speaks honor. I'm going to be a person who speaks respect. What I told my grandkids one time, they were mouthing off at their mother, which is my daughter. I said, hey, don't talk to my daughter that way. Ah, they never thought of that. It's their mama. They think they can talk to her. I said, wait a minute, that's my daughter. Did you know God does the same things? You're talking about his kids. God says, wait a minute. That's my daughter. That's my son. So you just better be careful what you say. Amen. So. If we want revival, we're going to have to be unified. And I'm going to wrap it up with this. There was a reporter, a story I read or heard some time ago, who spent weeks uh, doing a story meeting people under bridges. So when the story was, was done, when he done the reporting, he said that underneath the bridge he had met, listen to this, he met a former baseball star, he met a million dollar, former million dollar insurance salesman, and he also met a former pastor of a church of 3,000 living under a bridge. Now, I don't know, I don't know, I know we're all responsible for our own choices and decisions, and so I don't know why those people were under a bridge being disconnected from what apparently was once a fruitful life. But I do wonder, I do wonder, did someone, this is just my own wondering, did someone speak to them? Did someone say things to them? Did, or did someone even deny them the encouragement, deny them something that would have brought them out. Did you know what phone calls sometimes can just, just do wonders? I mean, somebody call you and just say, I'm just thinking about you. I'm not calling to borrow money or anything. I'm just thinking about you, just praying for you. And I've had people tell me over and over again. Matter of fact, I just thought of this one. There's a, there's a pastor in uh, Groover, Texas. You don't know where Groover is, so don't even think about it. <laughs> Groover is up by Amarillo. Groover, he's a, he's a cowboy pastor. He came to my 70th birthday. I know I don't look 70, but I am at least 70. So he came to my 70th birthday, a big surprise. I hadn't seen him in how long, honey, 30 years or something like that. We pastored a church out here in Burleson, and Mike and Carol came to our church. Well, as we're talking along there and greeting and meeting people, and I'm just so amazed that he was there uh, after 30-something 30, 30 years, he pulled something out of his billfold. He said, Brother Dennis, you sent me this 
little card from 35 years ago. And I was down, and I was about to quit. And you sent me this card. I'm thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me. Did I remember sending him that card? Absolutely not. But it meant so much to him. He said, every time I get discouraged, I pull it out of my billfold and read it. I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. How could some small, insignificant something like that mean so much to somebody? Well, if you're that somebody and you're down on the bottom and you're about to quit and you're about to give up and you're hurting and, and you need, yeah, just, just, you just be surprised when a starving man, a starving man will eat anything. Oh, folks, be an encourager. Be an encourager. Oh, man, i got to tell you this story, and then I'll quit. Brother Hagee told this story, John Hagee. I think this was a pastor friend of his. You know at the, at the airport how you get your shoes shined sometimes? This pastor between flights was getting his shoes shined. And as he was sitting there, this little boy was shining his shoes, and his tears were falling on the man's shoes, and it was messing it all up. And this pastor said, I was just about to say something. I was just about to say, boy, you're messing up my shoes. But he didn't. Right before he could say anything, that little guy looked up and he said, Mister, I'm sorry I'm messing up your shoes. My mama died yesterday and I'm trying to make some money to put flowers on her grave. What if, what if somebody's, what if somebody is right on the bottom and you could speak a word, you could say something that would just lift them up? Or what if you said something that was caustic and harsh and mean and ugly? I think there's going to be blood on the hands of some people who call themselves Christians because their caustic tongue. There are people that will not come in this church or any other church. You know why? Because of things people have said. My dad, who's gone now, my dad told me that something, he never served the Lord as far as I know, but my dad told me something that some people had said in a church setting. As far as I know, he came to hear me and my brother a time or two preach, but other than that, can I tell one more story? Just, Pastor, are we out of time yet? When I got saved, back up just a little bit I was at my grandma's house and I was on the floor laying tile that's when I had my long hair and I had needle holes in my arm and I was a crazy man not proud of that I'm ashamed of that that's not a testimony that's when I got saved 
that was my conversion story. My testimony started when I got saved. Your testimony starts the day you get saved. And I was down there on the floor. This big woman comes up. I don't know if I ever told this story or not. I've ever told this story here. This woman comes up and she said, she's talking to me. I'd seen her before. She went to my grandma's church and she says, young man, God shows me you're going to be a preacher. Come again? I've been smoking too much, man. Now listen to this, though. Then she says, and you'll be preaching in seven months. Now, you know these general, general things about one of these days in the sweet by and by? No, no, seven months you'll be preaching. So my youth pastor, she took us out on the streets in West Dallas, and we would preach on the streets out there. Well, I never had done it before. I just passed out tracts and stuff. So this day, Sister Moore says, today you're going to preach. <laughs> what? So listen to this. I'm up preaching. And I don't know how you can run two or three things through your brain at the same time, but I'm preaching whatever, however feeble it was. And it was feeble, I'm sure. I'm talking, let's put it that way. I'm saying something over the microphone. And it comes to my mind. How long has it been? Seven months. So this lady, my youth pastor, took, takes us out to preach. This went on for about a year or two. Somebody set me down in a restaurant. I, boy, this is just too practical, but it may. this is preventative. Somebody set me down in a restaurant. Keep in mind, I've been saved about a year. They set me down in a restaurant, and we're eating like we normally do. Christians, Christians just talking, you know, and they said, did you hear? No. No, what? what? Did the, is the world caving in or what? No. And, and they called the name of my youth pastor and said, her and this other woman are having an affair. Now, in the first place, can you imagine telling some, if it were true, which it wasn't, but if it were true, can you imagine telling a Christian a year old about some nonsense like that, that, that they didn't even know was true or not? I, I wrestled with that. I dealt with that. That bothered me and bothered me. But I tell you what, it bothered my youth pastor a whole lot more because within a year, she was gone. When I went to her funeral, Ten years later, her daughter told me something I didn't know. She said, when I was preaching at Gospel Lighthouse one night, she said, Sister Morrill wanted to come and hear one of her boys. Oh, how I wish I'd known she was in the audience that night, but I didn't. I didn't know it until at her funeral. Ladies and gentlemen, I think she got back to the Lord a few months before she died, but, but, but please hear my heart. What she didn't get back was 10 years. It was gone. It was gone. There is power of life and death in the tongue, and I've taken way too long. Would you please stand?
if we're going to have an awakening and revival, we've got to have unity and harmony. I want us to all check our hearts, and let's just let this be our scripture. We hear our pastor quoted all the time. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, would you bow your head? Father, we come in Jesus' precious name. And, Lord God, we, don't, we can't do this in ourselves. But we pray in the name of Jesus that our words will be spirit and our words will be life and our words will uphold and our words will encourage. Where there needs to be correction, let it be done in the right spirit. Let it be done among the right people. But Father, I pray that you will put a guard on our lips. You will put a guard on our mouth, oh God, that our mouth will speak the words of life. And I pray for anyone that's in this room tonight, Father. It's probably a miracle that they're even here tonight because of some of the things that have been said to them and about them. It's a miracle they're even here. But I thank you that they are here. And I pray for healing to come into their heart. I pray for healing. I pray that they will see themselves as you see them, that they will call themselves what you call them, not a failure, not a loser, but you will, you will move in their hearts, oh God, and they will look to you. They will follow after you, Lord. Father, I pray for those that are not in this house tonight and they're not here Sunday morning. They're not here any other time that they could be. I pray that that offense will be broken off of them, that those words that, that they wrongly received, that that stuff will be broken off of them, Lord God. And I pray when, if anyone comes in this house who has failed big time, that we will see them through the eyes of the love of God, the love of Jesus, that we will love them, considering ourselves, lest we also be tempted and fall. Lord, by you we stand, and only by you we stand. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this body of unity, but I thank you, Lord, for even unifying us more. Let there be greater harmony. Let there be greater unity among us, oh God, because agreement is the place of power. Agreement is the place of power. Unity is the place of power. Harmony is the place of power. Peace is the place where righteous seeds are sown and bring forth a harvest. Jesus, precious name, Jesus' name. Pastor Mike, can I say something to you, sir? It's been on my heart for a while, but I want to say this to you. You don't have to apologize to anybody. Praise the Lamb of God.
If I were to preach tonight, which I'm not going to, I was going to preach on unity. But if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. I don't want you to forget this word that was preached tonight. And it becomes forgetful in the moment that it's needed most. When this happens and this happens or you're confronted with something, Lord, let the word be so imprinted in my heart that what happens in the moment that immediately the word springs forth, that we may be blessed of the Lord. I can't tell you how desperate I feel in my heart for revival for your children and your children's children, and we cannot get there without unity. Father, we ask that you will help us to not be forgetful hearers, Lord, but be those who are blessed of you in walking, Lord God, and take what was received tonight, and Lord, let it grow in us and let it grow through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to bring up our missionaries tonight that we're going to pray over. These, John and Adriana Lungu, they are missionaries to Moldova. They grew up in Moldova, and they uh, are such a precious couple. They are reaching college students there in the, the capital city. And by doing that, reaching the college students, they are spreading the gospel throughout that country. Now, John has an incredible testimony where that he would go, uh, they would go to an underground church where the missionary came when he was a child and gave them a Bible, gave the whole church. What did the pastor do? He ripped it in portions and passed it out among the congregation. And they would go home and read the Bible, the portions they had, and they would bring it back after a few weeks and hand it back to them, and they would trade out. He said he heard the story of Jonah as a little boy, and it got all the way to the moment where he was swallowed by the well, and then the story ended. And he had to wait weeks after weeks after weeks in order to hear the rest of the story. I'm telling you, we are blessed. There's wonderful couples. We're going to pray tonight as our Wednesday offerings go to missions because we believe in souls. Let's lift our offerings to the Lord. Father, bless the gift and the giver, Lord, tonight. We pray, Father, for John and Adriana, Lord. We pray for their work and ministry there in Moldova. We pray, Father, tonight that you will bless their children, Lord. Bless their ministry. Bless, Lord God, the students that they reach that will go, Lord, throughout the entirety of the country and the world and win those others to Christ. Lord, we just thank you tonight for the beautiful word Lord God that was brought forth and Lord we take it to heart we hear what you're saying to us and we will walk in unity in Jesus name amen don't forget Saturday night is the annual empty nesters chili cook-off and so be sure they're going to scroll the announcements up here for you as well so I'm going to release you to let you go but five o'clock uh, the secret sister reveal is going to be at cotton patch for the ladies after church on Sunday God bless have a great rest of the week we appreciate you